Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Ben Craven and today we're joined by Dr. Oliver Hardwich. Oliver, welcome. Yeah, hi Ben. Oliver, you had a fascinating article out this week for Newsroom titled A Torpedo to European Security. It has been a pretty tumultuous time for foreign affairs and security observers. Can you give us a bit of a background about what has been going on? Well, I think we all read the story last week that uh, there is a new international defense alliance, one between the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia. And a cornerstone of that defense alliance is the U.S. sharing nuclear technology around their submarine program, especially with Australia. Australia previously signed a deal, so-called um, century deal, really, with the French, where Australia wanted to receive diesel-powered submarines from France. And that deal is now gone. The United States instead are going to deliver a new submarine fleet to Australia at an enormous cost in in the dozens of billions of dollars with the first um, submarines delivered within maybe 10, 15 years and um, probably all of this program completed by 2040. Now, this deal is significant because it unites a European partner, the United Kingdom, America with the US, and of course Australia. And the target of the deal is, of course, China, because um, all three powers have an interest in controlling what's happening in the South China Sea. They want to have the tactical capabilities and capacities to keep an eye on China and actually counter um, Chinese growth in the region. But of course, what it has also done is it has delivered a massive blow to France because France previously thought that actually it had increased its international reach with this Australian deal. It was not just a deal of industrial policy significance when the French um, decided to deliver these um, submarines to Australia, but it was actually a geostrategic deal for France because, of course, France has interests in the Pacific not least through its um, overseas territories. So this deal matters a great lot. Our commentary in the region is focused on what it means for Australia. I think in my column, what I'm trying to explore is actually what it means for Europe. And there I think the implications are quite severe because it actually drives a wedge all the way through NATO. It drives a wedge between Paris and London. And it also weakens France at a historically decisive moment. Right, okay, so during the Trump presidency, the US demanded the European states pay their way on defence. The US still maintains a significant presence in Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually been fortunate enough to visit one of the uh, army bases in Bavaria. It's a big operation. Uh, These are all dotted across across Europe. Uh, Were the Europeans naive to think that there would be a sudden change in approach under Joe Biden? And can we expect the US to continue that withdrawal from the European theatre? Well, okay, um, I think we need to go back a few years or really decades to understand what's going on. America played a massive role in European security after the Second World War, um, at the time of the Cold War. And that was the focus of US security policy, um, basically since 1945 until roughly the fall of the Berlin Wall, 1989-1990. And ever since, America kind of believed that its mission in Europe was effectively over because they won the Cold War. They actually wanted to reap a peace dividend at the time. If you remember in the 1990s, there was a lot of talk about that. And so the Americans actually reduced their engagement in Europe and thought, well, actually, Europe, can you please sort out your own affairs? 
I remember in the 1990s, of course, with the Balkans wars, um, that's when NATO became active once again. That's when America played a role. But even then, there was a growing sense on the side of the Americans. Well, why do we even have to be engaged here? Because this is your own backyard. Europeans just sort it out. As the Americans didn't quite see the reason anymore to be that active in Europe, at the same time, of course, we saw the rise of China. So that completely shifted the focus of American defense policy towards the Pacific. And this has been going on for a long time. And because of the strategic shift in thinking from focusing on Europe towards the Pacific, the Americans also encouraged increasingly undiplomatic language the Europeans to just um, spend a little bit more on defense. Trump, of course, made this very clear when he said, Angela, pay your bill. But actually, it wasn't just Trump. The commitment to pay 2% of GDP on national defense goes back to the time of George W. Bush. So George W. Bush talked about it with the Europeans. Um, that was followed by Barack Obama, who also reminded the Europeans that they had previously given commitments to that effect. Barack Obama also then um, reinforced the um, American pivot to the Pacific when he, um, for example, increased American troop deployment to Darwin in Australia. And then, of course, it continued under Trump in less diplomatic language um, when he just reminded the Europeans to pay their bill. When Joe Biden became president, the Europeans believed, okay, we're probably going back to the good era of decent transatlantic relationships. And um, we leave the Trump time behind and now we can have a more constructive dialogue with the Americans. What the Europeans probably didn't see was that strategically speaking, nothing much had changed. America still believed that Europe actually had to pay its share and they had to basically take some responsibility for their own affairs, especially affairs in their own backyard. And none of this has changed um, with Joe Biden. And I think what we see now is actually quite clearly that Biden's focus is on China. You can see now that Biden has caved into, for example, North Stream 2, so the gas pipeline from Russia bypassing Ukraine and Poland directly into Germany, which Trump didn't like. And Biden has basically given a concession now saying to Angela Merkel, well, okay, you can have it. The reason why he's given in is not so much because he likes the pipeline now, but actually it's just a distraction. Because who cares about some European pipelines when the real threat for America is China? And in the same kind of way, Biden probably doesn't care that he has annoyed the French now with a submarine deal. Because again, who cares if the French are annoyed? The real concern is China. So I think all of this points us in the same direction, that America is not that interested in European affairs anymore. And so the Americans were actually quite careless in weakening France and weakening President Macron and in really driving this massive wedge through NATO because in the end, this doesn't really matter that much anymore to Washington. Washington is bigger fish to fry. One of the interesting things of the AUKUS alliance is, of course, the addition of the UK. Uh, the US has always had one eye on the Pacific, along with Australia. Uh, but for the UK, um, I mean, just a few years ago, they had Russian jet fighters almost encroaching upon their airspace. Is it an admission that they've given up on Europe? Oh, well, Russian jets do this routinely, not just to the UK, but also to Scandinavian countries. I mean, um, that is just part of life with uh, Russia. Um, no, the UK, I think you have to see this in the context of Brexit. So Brexit was not just meant a departure from the European Union, but also the advent of a new global Britain. So far, 
Global Britain was just a slogan because nobody really knew what it meant. Did it mean just new trade deals? Did it mean a new strategic direction? Did it mean new defense alliances? Nobody had really filled the slogan of Global Britain with life. So in that sense, the new AUKUS deal actually is the first time that we see this Global Britain come to life. And to, to fill this with a mission, and it aligns quite nicely then with the US ambition to control and, and curb China's ambitions. And um, Britain is very happy to have this elevated global role because uh, it, it seeks a new role after its exit from the EU. I mean, this is old saying that um, Britain lost an empire and hasn't found a role. And in a way, we find ourselves in a very similar situation. Now, Britain has lost an uh, alliance with the European Union. And yet again, it is trying to find a new role. So with AUKUS, it might have found a part of that. Right, and where does this leave the European Union? So in the EU, the UK used to be a kind of check on France, while the Germans just got on with being an economic powerhouse. Uh, will there be a bit of a contest between the Germans and the French now for control of the bloc? I wouldn't actually phrase it like that. What I would say, though, is actually that it comes at exactly the wrong time for the French. Because Emmanuel Macron, the French president, has been trying for, basically since he's become elected, to present himself not just as a French president, but as the leader of Europe. And that was difficult because um, there was an incumbent de facto leader of Europe, and that was Angela Merkel, because she'd been there for much longer. So Merkel is retiring now at the German elections this Sunday, and Macron is going into his re-election campaign, um, which will then happen in early 2022. Now, as I said, Macron had, has been trying to secure this role as a new leader of Europe, and he tried that early on in his presidency when he gave a speech in the Sorbonne arguing the case for a new reformed European Union with a stronger centre, so very much French ideas, centralism, strong European Union. The problem with Macron was that nobody listened. And he was really annoyed that um, he didn't get a, a single response from the German government at the time. He had to wait for a couple of years until a party leader even responded to his ideas in an op-ed in a newspaper. But there was complete silence from the German political establishment and they left Macron out in the cold with his reformities for the EU. So now with Angela Merkel, Gong, Macron probably believed, okay, now his time had come to finally get the leadership of Europe and um, basically succeed Angela Merkel. And right at that moment, the Americans and the British come in and torpedo his ambitions by showing him that actually you don't really matter that much on the international stage. We can basically sideline you as we like. And to be humiliated publicly like that by the likes of Joe Biden, Scott Morrison and Boris Johnson must have really hurt Macron. And of course, he responded accordingly by withdrawing his ambassadors from Canberra and um, Washington. So Macron now faces this humiliation. He has to come back from that. He has to come back from that, not least because he's running for re-election, as I said, next year. But that's going to be hard. And so there is a lot of confusion and chaos now in strategic terms in Europe that this new AUKUS deal has created. And the only party, ironically, that will probably like this is China. Because China, even though it's a target of the AUKUS deal and won't be happy with the activities of AUKUS in the Pacific, they will look at Europe. And of course, they will like this European division because it makes it easier for China to actually um, um, make sure his its interests are um, valid and, and heard in Europe. 
Right, so with all this manoeuvring amongst uh, European and global powers, where does that leave New Zealand? Well, I think New Zealand is actually in a relatively good position simply because nobody asked us to join. (laughs) That sounds ironic, but actually I think that's roughly where we are because had they asked us to join AUKUS, we would have had to say no. We would have had to say no for two reasons. First, this is totally out of our league. So uh, if you look at the price of a modern submarine, I mean, let alone a nuclear-powered one, this is really beyond New Zealand's capacity. Financial capacities, we would not invest in this kind of um, new uh, submarine program. At the same time, of course, making it a nuclear submarine would have been totally impossible because of New Zealand's anti-nuclear stance. So New Zealand would have had to decline an invitation to join AUKUS for exactly these two reasons. So it was better not to be asked than to be asked and then to decline. At the same time, New Zealand will still benefit from it because we have one formal um, alliance and that is with Australia. And so let the Australians sign up to that and will basically piggyback on that. Yes, we will show that we will um, try to pull our weight in some ways. We might actually order a few few new frigates or we might uh, get some new um, intelligence and surveillance planes. That is all within our capability. We can do that. But um, AUKUS would have stretched our capacity and it would have been politically difficult for us. So better not to be asked, better to piggyback on the Australians and and good to see this UK-US engagement in the region. Absolutely. Dr. Oliver Hartwich, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. If you want to learn more about our research and opinions, please visit our website, nzinitiative.org.nz.